0: Hi everybody, welcome to episode number nine of the Camera Shake podcast with Nick Kirby and me Kirsten Nuts, the photo and video podcast coming at you straight out of isolation into your eardrums. We'll be talking about photographers lives in lockdown, what's happening in the world outside and if we're lucky, we'll hit on photography too. But before we get started, please throw us a solid and subscribe to this podcast and if listening to our super smooth voices isn't enough for you, you can check us out in glorious Technicolor over on YouTube. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to our guest for today's episode. Uh, please give a warm welcome to uh, Mr. Abel Shah, um, wedding photographer, Paxon How are you doing, Abel? you okay? I'm
1: good. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, love what you guys are doing and it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Fantastic. So Abel, um, I heard about you or heard about your story through mm. um, a friend of, of ours, if you want. And uh, I was I- immediately intrigued because, uh, of course, you know, on this podcast, we, uh, we love to talk to people who have a great kind of backstory and, uh, you know, and have something very interesting and inspirational to say. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with all the, the lockdown, everything that's, that's going on, and of course, we're going to talk about that um, as mm-hmm. well. But first, I'd really like to talk to you about um, your kind of your past, if you want. So why don't you tell us? In your own words, how you got started in photography in the first place?
1: I've always enjoyed photography, um, but I never really thought I could make an income from photography. But um, I was living in Canada for five years, um, and I decided to move back to the UK. And it was when moving back to the UK, I decided, having done my first wedding in Canada, I decided that um, I really wanted to pursue this passion of mine and um, in photography and pursue my dream of being a wedding photographer. And uh, as soon as I got back to the UK, I took a year out and I just focused um, everything I I did and all my time on um, my creating a business, on improving my composition um, and just trying to build myself a wedding photography business and establish myself here.
0: So when you did that first, the very first... Uh, wedding shoot in Canada. Mm. Had you already been working as a professional photographer, or was that you know? Mm. Wh- how did that shoot go down for you?
1: Mm. Uh, so that was a family friend of of mine. Um, so at that point, I, I wasn't a professional photographer, although I had done some press photography um, mm-hmm. before before my first wedding. Um, probably, my one of my biggest jobs was I photographed the Indian International Film Awards in Toronto. Um, And a little brag coming up, which I don't normally do, but I was one of the only photographers on the green carpet, which is what they call the red carpet in the Bollywood industry, Mm -hmm. um, which was really cool. Um, So I was keeping myself busy. I was just really sharing my stuff online and um, didn't wedding photography wasn't really on my radar. Mm -hmm. And then a family friend of mine asked if I would photograph her wedding. And I was just over the moon because I felt that um, she must have seen something in my work that she was really you know, happy with and wanted me to photograph her wedding. Yeah, And I was just completely honoured and so grateful. Um, fast forward 24 hours later, the nerves hit me. And I was like, oh my goodness, what <laughs> yeah. have I just agreed yeah. to do? Um, so I think over the next few weeks and then, you know, the months before the wedding, I just, um, yeah, really, Stuck my my head in the you know in YouTube videos and photography yeah. books and yeah and just <laughs> yeah became that's obsessive
0: so and that's that's so funny because mm. I did I remember exactly having the same the exact same experience it was like <laughs> exactly the same I mean the first time I shot a wedding um, and I don't do many weddings you know, I do I do mm. them very very occasionally but um, it was the same thing you know uh, a family friend asked me to uh, to shoot the wedding and you know and I of course said yes and mm. then the other very next thing is like. Uh, Man, what if I screw that up? That's a special day, <laughs> right? Yeah. No way.
1: You know, wedding uh, weddings have a certain amount of pressure themselves, which you know we yeah. all know. But um, that being my first wedding, what was so overwhelming for me was that she was actually a professional model, like doing a lot oh, of catwalk stuff in Toronto, and you know she was amazing. Um, so knowing that she had close friends um, and had a strong network of people in the industry mm-hmm. that she could have asked, but she chose to come to me. Um, when the nerves hit, they hit hard and I was like super nervous, but, um, the wedding was amazing. I got some amazing photos. She was happy and I really just got the wedding bug. Yeah. Oh, great. Wow. So that's where, yeah, that was my first wedding and went really well. And Here I am.
2: Apple, what, um, you know, not being, you know, photography is kind of second to videography for, for mm-hmm. myself. And so I haven't actually photographed a wedding previously but a friend of mine asked me to do it this summer now that's been delayed for until next year because of the covid situation that's going on so i haven't had chance yet for those nerves to kick in mm-hmm. and you know kirsten just said it a second ago you know what if i ruin their special day and all of that and so what what advice would you give me for uh, in the lead up to their, their to their wedding
1: i'd say have fun on the day I think what's important if you think about it from the client perspective, whether they're uh, they're friends or, you know, a paying client, I think it's really important to remember their perspective. It's their wedding day. Um, They are going to have a lot of stress on the day, on the morning. The anxiety is going to be really high. Mm. So they're not going to need a photographer to come in and be all, you know, nervous and anxious. And and I've been there, believe me, Um, you know, and adding to their stress and the dramas of the wedding day, what they really want is they want someone who's just going to be competent who's going to be enjoying what they're doing who's going to be relaxed having fun with it and that's going to help relax them to get the photos that they want from you so um my secret is just have fun on the day dance on the dance floor man you know have fun with the guests you know go around greet greet everyone as soon as you arrive you know without the camera you know talk to the parents you know uh, be respectful and polite to everybody and just have fun, and that yeah. goes a long way.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that because I guess that then applies to everything. Because so I, I play in a, a function band as, as well as I'm a, a bass player, mm. a fellow and musician. So, cool. Ah, yeah. What, what do you play?
1: Uh, guitar as well. Oh, I really? know is a cool guitarist. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's. it's this is a story for another day, but me and Kirsten mm. have this other kind of connection that we never knew about, that we found out about last year, which is very odd. Um, While well, our drummer to my band has played in another band with Kirsten when he depped for them once. Uh, wow, small time. world, eh? Very small, very small. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I'm used to that kind of pressure, you know, going mm. in and uh, you know, you're the only entertainment for the evening. Mm. You know that kind of. It's very interesting to, to hear you say that. You know, to have fun with them on the day because mm-hmm. that, that's exactly what we try and do in the, mm-hmm. in the function band mm-hmm. it's universal i love it
1: absolutely, absolutely. Love yep. it. and you find that when you're when you're a pla- in a place filled with anxiety and stress like you can't think as creatively as it would when you're free and when you're calm and centered mm-hmm. because then you, you're going to want to try things out whereas when you're uh, so anxious, you, you know, you've got these blinkers on where you're thinking, okay, I got to get this job done. Let me get this mm-hmm. job done. And I've got to get this done at this time and, you know, make sure it's all good. But when you're relaxed and you're calm and you're centered, then, you know, you can kind of flow a little more around and have fun with it and try different things. So it, it works in so many ways. So, you know, yeah. just have fun.
0: Well, Have you ever shot a wedding on film?
1: Oh, um, I introduced film to my wedding workflow for the first time last year, actually. Um <laughs> And one of my little secrets now that I'm sharing for the first time is, one of my goals for this year was to um, introduce film photography to my wedding business and become a hybrid wedding photographer. Um, it hasn't quite happened with this pandemic and this lockdown. Um, a couple of my goals have been set back, but that's one of my uh, that's one of my goals I'm currently working on. But
0: well, you know, this is like my ultimate ultimate nightmare. Um, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> because I always think like you know, if you shoot a wedding on film, mm. you know, somebody asks you like, did you get the first kiss? And you go, uh, I hope so. You know, <laughs> did you get the first dance? Um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, and of course it's, it's ridiculous really, because not too long ago, mm-hmm. everybody was shooting on film and you know, right. it's fine. You know what I mean? But, uh, but it's just one of these things where I'm thinking like, oh my God, like with all the other pressures, of course, if it's as always, you know, if it's not something that you're that you're really used to and you're confident, you know, and mm-hmm. you're comfortable with, then, um, then those those anxieties just get amplified when you're in that situation, and you know, and the, I, I have to say, I mean, you know, I've probably shot like a handful of weddings, and mm-hmm. it's gotten, um, yeah, I mean, every time it was a little bit easier, it got a little bit easier, mm-hmm. you know, but i um, mm-hmm. like this. Is, that's actually an area of photography, really. Um, I would like to. Um, just get a lot more experience under my belt. You know, it's not really something. Normally what I do, um, I'm in a very controlled environment usually, unless I'm shooting concerts, which I do a lot of as well. But, you know, mm. having been a musician for, I don't know, 30 years now, um, I'm also very comfortable with that situation. So there's really not, you know, there's not not a lot that kind of phases me in that. Um, and when I'm in a studio or I do headshots or I, do corporate work and I'm in a controlled environment, I control the environment. But Mm -hmm. in a a wedding situation, it always seems to me like, you know, you've got to really be super flexible and deal with whatever gets thrown Mm -hmm. at you, is that right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I think what I try to do with wedding photography is I approach it from um, mostly a journalistic perspective. Mm -hmm. Although, so I, I tell my brides when I meet them for my, you know, first consultations of my initial meetings, that my work is like 90% natural and then 10% directed to help them mm-hmm. get the photos they want. Um, because I think on the wedding day, I, I wanna tell the story. I, I want to capture what's happening. I want them to remember them, you know, on their wedding day, not being directed, you know, throughout the whole 13, 14 hours of the wedding day, mm-hmm. you know, to do what the photographer wanted to do. I just wanna really capture the narrative of the day, the story of the day and the guests having fun and the bride and groom having fun with the guests. Um, so I think that's what's really important to me, and that's you know been working out really well for me too. In terms of you know being fearful of you know introducing film to to weddings, man, some of my favorite photographers in the world are the classic masters like you know Elliot Erwitt, Henry Cartier-Bresson. <laughs> yeah, um, they rocked film, man, and even now by our standards, they are just legendary. Absolutely. So, when I hear, you know, when the Nikon released their new mirrorless camera and Canon did as well, and there was the single card slot, and I heard people just screaming about the single card slot, I just thought to myself, that's just fear talking. And <laughs> yeah, for sure, them calling, uh, them calling it, you know, an unprofessional camera body or a non professional camera body, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, wow, you know, if you put that in the, the hands of someone like one of the classic masters, you know, they wouldn't be fearful that it's only got one camera slot. They would make the most of that and get the photos that they want without, you know, yeah, making excuses that they have to ease themselves away from the fear of what if. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course.
0: Because yeah. it, I mean, you're, you, you know, you used to just get one roll of film into a camera. It's not back right. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. you know, you're just gonna, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I thought the same thing. And, you know, at the time, um, I did get a lot of questions as you know what do you think about this and you know are you going to be able to kind of stick with Nikon and blah blah, blah? and I, you know, it's just like well look the camera slot uh, the uh, the card slot thing doesn't affect me at all because nine times out of ten I shoot tethered anyway so you
2: mm-hmm. know I don't need any cards <laughs> to be fair you know for most of the stuff that I do so mm-hmm. it really doesn't bother me at all. Kirsten and I were, were talking not not a couple of weeks ago about this very thing and uh, I, I asked you didn't I, Kay? what when was the last time an SD card actually failed on you? Hmm. Well, funnily enough, and back then I said never.
0: And you know what? Last week one failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. So, cool. the first, yeah. to be honest, that's wow. the first SD card ever, ever um, that, uh, that I think. You know, to be to be honest, I think I still have the very first SD card I I bought with the very first digital camera that I bought, actually. Wow. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, and wow. it's
2: still working. It's still working. I bet that's super fast to take uh,
0: yeah, no. the info off. <laughs> I think it's also, it's like a two gigabyte card, I think. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, <you
2: know? laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And let's go back to uh, when, you know, just after you uh, you showed your first wedding in Canada. Mm. Um, by the way, um, I have a lot of family in Canada, so, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. Waving the flag. <laughs> we're, we're waving the flag here right now. The beautiful part of the world, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We were meant to go back, actually, uh, this summer. Um, cause my wife's Canadian too, so, oh, um, nice. so we were, uh, meant to go back, uh, to see family
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, her family is from the same province as, as as mine. And, uh, and of course the whole COVID-19 thing is completely, you know, scattered our plans yeah. so to yeah. bank off flights and move it to next year.
1: You'll get out, out there anyway. soon, buddy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So, so, okay. So let's go back to when, um. You know, you just shot your first wedding. You sort of caught the wedding bug. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think you decided to uh, to return to the UK. Uh,
1: yeah, so I returned to the UK. And um, I-, I knew that as soon as I go back to the UK, I didn't want to get a get a job um, doing something that I didn't really want to do. Mm-hmm. I really committed to pursuing my passion of being a wedding photographer. So that is exactly what I did. I um, I took a year out. And I um, worked on my composition, um, joined camera clubs, which is where I met some amazing people um, at the Wofford camera club, like Debbie Ram, who I know who's been on here before, who's amazing, and one of my close friends. Mm. Um, I had this amazing help by this um, government funded organ- organization called Wenta, who, mm. because I'm a terrible business person, really, like most creatives really are deep down, um, they helped me create like a business plan, uh cash flow forecasting, um you know helped me build a website and really get my you know head around you know a lot of the the back end stuff mm-hmm. and the much, you know the important stuff really so I, I spent a year working through a lot of you know a lot of the things i needed to do and started advertising myself as a wedding photographer and i started photographing weddings started picking up weddings which is amazing um But by the end of the first year, I, um, I didn't make enough of an income to, um, to afford my cost of living,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, or what you call your personal survival budget. Um, and I couldn't afford where I was living. So I had to declare myself homeless at the end of the first year. So I reached a crossroads at that point. I could have easily got a job, um, Got some income coming in, or I could have, you know, stayed firm and stayed committed and continued pursuing my dream. And this one quote by Tony Robbins, um, which, you know, I I love and I'm going to share right now, he he says, If you want to take the island, you have to be prepared to burn the boats. And what he means by (laughs) that is, if you want to take the island and you want to stay on the island, you have to remove the temptation of going back to the shore of safety. Mm. So you have to burn the boats to force yourself in a position where you're going to fight for what it is you really want to do. So I chose to burn my boats and um, I declared myself as homeless. I found accommodation at a local YMCA in Watford. And I, uh, yeah, so I had a small room in the YMCA with a bed, a window and a small desk. And I stayed there. Um, until I built, my, built myself a sustainable business, wow. um, which I think took me about eight months. Fantastic! So, yeah, I committed a hundred and ten percent.
0: So, eight months in a um, in a YMCA. What was that like? <laughs>
1: um, first of all, I, I was super grateful to be have you know to have somewhere where you know. Um, I could work and focus on the business because remember that became my single primary focus, um, to pursue my passion and dream to be a wedding photographer. Um, it had its own unique set of challenges. Um, it was a big building and there's a lot of people in there from all these different scenarios and, you know, all these different walks of life. You've got victims of abuse, you've got addicts, you've got, um, you know, people that, you know, just come from some really unfortunate and unsavory positions. Um, but I chose really just to focus, stay in my room um, and just eat, sleep, breathe, eat, sleep, and breathe photography, you know, night and day. Um, I I would just work from morning to night, just working on my photography, my composition, and my business. Um I picked up a job working as a photographer, uh, photographing nightclubs. Mm-hmm. So I use that as a platform to improve my lighting and my lighting, um, techniques, um, how to light my subjects, how to light big rooms with, you know, super high ceilings. You can't bounce flash from, um, I worked so hard with that, that I became one of their top photographers, which is amazing. Um, from there, I picked up some amazing, some other amazing jobs where, um, just by networking and through my images, I started picking up some amazing clients like um, Hearst Publishing, and I did shots for Esquire and Harper's mm. Bazaar and Red Magazine, Country Living Magazine, all while being a homeless photographer. Mm. So it was interesting having these amazing shoots, shooting people like Jeremy Renner and you know Nick Hornby and all these amazing people. Mm. Um, none of them knew you know my story or you know the s- situation I was in. I just wanted to go to these jobs, present myself as the best possible photographer I could mm-hmm. come back to my little room with my little bed, my little desk um, and just focus on the next day and focus one day at a time.
2: Abel, that's such an amazing story. I mean, it's, <sighs> I mean, it's really, you know, it's, it, it's so sad to hear that that was the position that, that you were in at the start, but so many people could have folded at that point and not been able to get themselves out of it, but you did the complete opposite and focus this is what i want and i'm going to get it and 8 months just 8 months to do something like that and to get you into yourself into a position where the business is viable is outstanding did you have a backup
0: any uh, kind of backup plan or did you just go right going to go all out for this and if it's
1: oh 110% all out for this mm. um yeah th- there was no backup plan because again burning a boat means that you really remove any possibility of, you know, safety. So I, you know, I could have gone to my family's place. You know, my mum was still upset that I put myself in that position. But mm. I had to see and I had to know what a hundred percent really looks like, what mm. my hundred percent commitment really looks like. You know, some of my friends are still upset that I put myself in that position. But um honestly, that was the best thing that that I've done in terms of my business and establishing a work ethic that you know, I still continue today. Um, and really just living photography all day, every day for eight months, it was honestly for a creative, um, it was a dream just, you know, in a kind of unfortunate scenario. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So I guess like, is it fair to say that you taught yourself everything, everything you knew, like in, in, in a small bedroom in the YMCA in Watford?
1: Well, I wouldn't recommend that philosophy or that approach to everybody because I know we all have responsibilities. Sure. But um, yeah, over those eight months, I, I looked at every opportunity and every time I went out as a way to practice my photography, as a way to improve my composition, um, like the nightclub jobs I, I used to do um, with my nightclub photography, a way to practice my lighting techniques, um, depth of field and photographing big groups, Um, practice, you know, journalistic photography, Mm. you know, with people on the dance floor. So every opportunity I had to to work on my photography, I jumped on it. Mm. And every time I had a job come through, whether it was a wedding or whether it was a commercial shoot or, you know, for one of these amazing publications, I treated it like my last. So I knew that by treating it like my last, I would give it everything I had. Mm.
0: So with, you know, with all the the sort of highs during that um during that time. I'm pretty sure there's there must have been some real lows there as well. Did you ever feel like giving up?
1: Yeah, there were some um challenging times, especially especially being in a situation like that where you see people who who are there for some really um you know, some really tragic reasons. I um it was very testing, but I think it was a great test to my own commitment,
2: mm.
1: uh to committing to my own goals and a great test to see for the first time, you know, what, again, my hundred percent commitment really is. Um, and what, you know, what my best work ethic could really be. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy to say that, you know, I pulled through, you know, I came out with a sustainable business. Um, and although, you know, I'm far from perfect now, I'm still working on my back end and my website and mm. you know, my marketing and my always conscious of my client's experience and I've made mistakes but um honestly it was probably one of the um most rewarding times even if it was the most difficult. Mm.
0: So how did you manage to build your network um when you were in that position like living at the YMCA and um you going out to do mm-hmm. time work how how did you how did you manage to to combine all these things and like and build your network
1: um so everything i did um was orientated around photography so one of the things i did was i looked for communities with you know like-minded uh, creatives so i found a local camera club in watford called the watford camera club wcc uh, which is where i met some amazing people who have become you know some of my closest friends um, and meeting people passionate about photography is just amazing. Um, cause our, f- our family don't always enjoy what we do as much as we do. Right. <laughs> right. Our, our friends don't always understand <laughs> our photography, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. But Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you.
0: So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Um, So meeting like-minded people that you can share with and push each other creatively with, Mm. um, it's great. And I would recommend that for everybody. So, so for anyone watching, if there's a local camera club to you, um, or if there's an online community to you with, you know, like-minded photographers go out on photo walks, go to these camera clubs, um, meet people that, you know, will push you instead of, you know, holding you back. Mm. Um, because if you really want something, um, you just have to ask yourself, you know, how much do you want it?
0: Yeah, you know, the thing about camera clubs um, is that, uh, I you know, I felt exactly the same.
1: So when I mm. moved to
0: this area, when I, when I first got married, um, I really didn't know anybody around here. And my wife actually suggested uh, that I join a camera club. Mm. And, um, you know, and I looked around and, and actually, in actual fact, Watford was the, the first one that popped up, you know, near, near to where I live. So, um And, uh, you know, and what I found was, I mean, there there were a few surprises there. I wasn't completely, was not aware of the fact that there were uh, so many competitions going on, or that there were actually competitions going on. Um, I just didn't know uh, that that was a thing in a camera club. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the the thing that I really found was that because you've got this, this, you know, large group of people um, all in one place, and uh, a lot of them are really you know, long-standing, really experienced photographers in particular fields. You know, some like lands- really experienced landscape photographers, other like you know, portrait photographers, or wildlife photographers, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, you come into a group of people like that, and you kind of you immediately think like, okay, um, landscape photographer, I don't know very much about this. I'm going to go and talk to Steve, <laughs> you know, who's like extremely awesome at uh, at landscape photography, and you have all these people in one place, and you know, um, there's a uh, we used to go to the pub. Um, after the mm-hmm. after the actual club meeting, and you just hang out and you just talk, you know, photography. And if you wanted to know something about a particular type of photography or something, that be mm-hmm. always there always be that one person uh, that you knew you had to speak to because you know they knew a lot more about this particular thing than you did. And um, of course, we all l- we all learn differently, but um, that's certainly uh, for me. That's really helped me in the past to mm-hmm. um, diversify and just learn about you know different types of photography. Um, You know, I spend a lot of time um, in a type of studio type of uh, situation, you know, where I can control everything. And um, so landscape photography, just as an example, is the one thing that has always sort of eluded me. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just a, a thing that I always thought like, man, I don't know how these people do it, you know. (laughs) <laughs> mm. I realized that getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and sitting in the field for hours, <laughs> that kind right. of does yeah, it. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I love looking at landscape photography, but much like yourself, um, it, it's not something I've practiced and it's not something um, I'm particularly passionate about, but I love looking at landscape images. So, you know, I really tip my hat to those people that get up early in the morning and come back with an incredible image that, you know, people like yeah. us just really appreciate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, it's such a great source of um, of information. I think you know um, joining a camera club, and even if you know, even mm-hmm. if you're not into competing, I'm really personally I'm not into competing at all. Um, that's not my bag. Um, I you know I totally appreciate um, uh, other members you know really being into that, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I I don't mind uh, listening to a judge um, you know talking about images and stuff. That's all. That's all good. Um, uh, for me, personally, there's so many other benefits to, uh, to joining a club, though. So
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, the benefits there, because I, I, I'm very fortunate now where I work some, with some amazing photographers and have some incredible friends in the industry, uh, like Scott Johnson, who's like a Fuji ambassador, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he's on board with, um, you know, the MPA and SWPP. Um Adam Alex is one of my favorite photographers in the world. Who is an incredible destination wedding photographer. He's won like every single award you can think of from WPPI to SWPP. So you know these guys have entered competitions. They love entering competitions. Yeah, me not so much. So I I really prefer, and I right now I tend to focus on my client experience, my business, my own work, my own composition. Mm. Um, However, um, one of the benefits of another benefit of joining the Camera Club is. It was just so eye-opening to to see images being entered into competitions and seeing how they're judged, understanding what the judges are yeah. looking for, um, listening to images get critiqued. I've learned so much from watching images being judged and being critiqued and um, being inspired by so much of the work and learning from other people's um, successes and other people's mistakes. It's a great learning experience, mm. even if you don't enter. Even just watching, exactly. Even just be entered, yeah, yeah that's, it's so useful.
0: Exactly, that's why. That's why I really, I quite like going to the actually competition evenings where you just listen. You mm. just listen to the judge, and you know, sometimes you, sometimes you fully agree with what the judge says, and sometimes you don't. But that's the whole thing about art, isn't it? It's it's totally, Absolutely. totally um, subjective. So it's
1: you, all subjective, yeah. right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's all subjective.
0: Yeah, and uh, like you know, like you said, I've learned loads of stuff about. Um, uh, about different aspects of photography, just by hearing somebody talk about it, you know, and um, and so yeah, I would, uh, I agree with you. I would totally, absolutely recommend, you know, if somebody's just starting out and they want to, you know, uh, get to meet like-minded people, camera clubs, mm-hmm. uh, and they are all over the place. By the way, mm-hmm. there's, you know, between where I live and Watford, there's probably three different camera clubs <laughs> between there, you and go. there. So, you know, it, you it's easy.
2: Just for those watching and listening who may not be particularly familiar with what a camera club is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like there's competitions what What does this typical evening at a camera club consist of? obviously the pub afterwards but uh <laughs> what, it, <laughs> <Best> i'm <part. laughs> I'm assuming it's not a competition every single every single meeting
1: no so so I haven't been to a camera club um maybe in a few years now to be honest, but it was a really integral part to my to my journey as a photographer and actually, I owe a lot to to the camera club and to the members there um and you know. I've learned so much from being there, but what happens in, in camera clubs, um, you know, week by week is they might, might rotate with having different speakers coming on, like um, you know, some amazing photographers from across the world might come to speak at your local camera club. Uh, they might have, uh, different assignments, um, like different competition shoots. So they might have a set subject mm-hmm. and said subject would be, um, like architecture mm-hmm. or, um, happiness or, or children. Um, so it's a great way to really push your creativity and to work to set subjects, which, you know, really helps, um, it does help improve your, you know, your creativity and your composition. Um, other things they might do would be, um, like have shoots at camera club where they might set up, um, like a a reptile shoot on one day, or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe like a a portrait session on, on another day. So if you've got a good camera club, um, who listen to you know what the members want then honestly it's just so so helpful to anyone that yeah. really is passionate about taking photos and wanting yeah. to get better
0: and you, you get to know a lot of people so you make a lot of friends so beca- mm. it very quickly becomes very friendly you do a lot of like mm. uh, excursions like we do um we do something called the prime lens challenge for example where we go to a mm. particular city um and the uh, the thing is that you only you're allowed to use one prime lens and you're going to shoot whatever you shoot on a day um, on cool the challenge. same same prime mm-hmm. list, that's right, yeah. And then there's a bit of mm-hmm. competition, you know, for a laugh um, yeah. afterwards. Um, but that's a real challenge. I mean, you, you're one focal length, that's it, you know, no zooming, nothing. Absolutely. It's yeah. like, you know, and it pushes you well, in, in different ways, so
1: actually sharing, um, a little insight into how I work as a wedding photographer, I- I'm actually a prime lens shooter. Mm-hmm. So, um, I completely agree with that. And I think having a prime lens on your camera body when you're shooting, uh, especially as a wedding photographer really makes you work hard for the shot. Mm. And I don't mean because you want to make yourself work harder unnecessarily, but it means that you don't get comfortable, you know, having to zoom in and to zoom out. Um, and being so disconnected, you know, with like a seventy-two hundred lens on there, I carry a thirty-five on one body and a fifty on the other, or maybe an eighty-five mm-hmm. if I'm doing my couple session, you know, for the for the portraits. Um, but by having fixed focal lengths, if I really want a closer shot, I'll come up and I'll take a closer shot, um, and it will make me it will make me stay invested, it will make me stay focused and stay creative, um, and it just helps push me to stay on my toes for the full day. Mm-hmm. Love that!
2: Just, I, I absolutely love that. It's a really nice way of approaching um, approaching a, a day. Um, how do you deal with those situations where perhaps you're not able to get as close to the action as you'd like? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether you go into the the church if it's a church wedding, whether you're mm-hmm. going into the churches and taking photos during the service itself. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you deal with that without a uh, variable focal length?
1: yeah wedding photography can vary depending um well from church to church really so some churches which i'm sure you know you know don't allow photography during the ceremony yeah some might allow photography you know during the during the entrance only um or some will give you the you know the freedom just to move around and you know they're so easy going so it really is you know almost on a case by case or wedding by wedding basis but for those situations where maybe the priest or you know um the person at the church might tell you you know you can only stand here. You can't move from there. That's the one spot you Mm -hmm. can stay at. You have no choice really. And um, the bride and groom will be well aware of, you know, what's happening. And that's always something to discuss with a bride and groom before the wedding happens. So now like on my questionnaire or when I'm speaking to the bride, you know, uh, or the groom, you know, before the wedding, I'd always remind them to speak to the church to make sure that weddings are allowed during the ceremony and just to make sure that there's no restrictions during the ceremony. Because first of all, My job is to get them amazing photos. Um, And if I'm restricted in in any way, then, you know, it's important for them to be aware that it's out of my hands um, and I'll always do the best I can. But for those situations where I am kind of far back and I can't, I don't have much movement or or freedom to move, you know, during the ceremony, um, then I'm always just trying to think about the composition. So thinking about the full frame, trying to tell the story where maybe I can get framed with, you know, the couple and the guests you know um just trying to make it work because there's yeah. always a way to make it work just remember the glass is always half full right yeah you
2: know you touched on there um you know consultation and you know speaking with the bride and groom in advance you know about restrictions that there might be and i think i, I think this is something that doesn't get talked about all that much is what what is your process in the lead up to a wedding um, mm. And what, what do you kind of talk about in those, that, that first consultation or second consultation, however many do, that you do, I don't think a lot of people really go into detail about that, that kind of thing, but it's, it is critical, mm-hmm. absolutely critical to make the day go as smoothly as possible and to enable you mm-hmm. to get the the best faces you, you
1: can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I don't think there's a one size fits all approach mm-hmm. um, to creating a client experience for, you know. Yeah. for us as wedding creatives. Um, I, I know people that are just purely journalistic. They'll have no contact with a bride and groom. There's no like formal portraits done apart from group photos. And they'll just turn up with a camera um, and take some amazing images. Like you know, One of them that comes to mind is just an incredible photographer. Um, but they're, they, they're shooting from a pure journalistic approach, whereas... Other photographers I know, you know, they're very informal and you know, um, have a very hands-on approach. Uh, me, um, I think I approach my wedding client experience, trying to give them as as an informal um, experience as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so by that, I want them to know that I'm approachable, um, and just to give a couple of insights into how I work, um, sharing my personal process is, for example, uh, one of the things I'll do is I'll create a WhatsApp group with a bride and groom by creating a WhatsApp group. It just shows them that um, I'm not sending them emails and being so formal. It's a very personal approach and I want to establish that from the very beginning. So they know that if they have a question or a thought, they can just send me a message on WhatsApp Mm -hmm. and it's a great way just to have fun and just stay in contact. And, you know, it's so much easier for me to deal with than having to, you know, be at the desk and just reply to emails. Mm -hmm. I know that some people think, well, you know, creating WhatsApp groups for clients, you know, that's a bit too informal or, you know, you're opening yourself up to so much contact, but actually you'll find, uh, from my experience, I find that the more opportunity I give and the more I open myself up, um, the less they contact me and the less they feel like they have to because um, it works, because they feel relaxed and because they feel that Mm. he's there, he's on WhatsApp, he's added us Mm. like we're a friend. So actually it works out um, really well for me.
0: So this is the thing I always feel like when when I hear people talk about automated systems because there's a whole bunch mm. of like different automated kind of systems that they take care of, of all the you know all the, the reminder emails and this and then and the other and they send the contracts mm. out and blah and all this happens like you just start the whole process literally in the beginning and just get scheduled out and everything happens. and yeah, I, yeah. I always think like okay, so from a business perspective, I could totally understand this. It like you know speeds things up and makes them more reliable and all this you know all the rest of it. But then I kind of think, but it's such an. It, but potentially it's such an impersonal approach. And especially mm. with something like weddings. Yeah, I've always I've always felt that um it's such a personal thing. But I mean, not mm. not least because I got married myself not too long ago, a few three years ago. Is it three? Was it I don't know. Can't remember? Yeah, three <laughs> years, well, years congratulations. ago. Congratulations. <laughs> Sorry that we <laughs> can edit that okay.
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Someone's um, on the sofa tonight.
0: <laughs> well Yeah. <laughs> but um so I I really like that. Um that WhatsApp approach. I think that's, I can see that working really well.
2: And I'm willing to bet, right, that you'll get, you know, a one sentence message from them if they've got a question. Whereas if they had done that in email, probably 10 different things might come out and you'd end up with a couple of paragraphs.
1: Exactly. And if you think about, if you think about your mindset, when you're sending an email to a client, like you're, you're trying to as formal and as comprehensive as possible and Mm -hmm. you're doing it in a way where you're conscious even slightly that you know this could someone could come back to this later right Mm. and it's it's very formal but if you're like when i create my whatsapp groups my client it's just so casual and so relaxed it you know reduces and minimizes any formality you know with me my client um without you know, breaking too much of a barrier because there's nothing overly invasive, but it just really shows them um, and gives them that security and confidence that he's there for us whenever we need mm. him. He's just, mm-hmm. you know, on WhatsApp.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, I love the idea. It's such a such a simple thing, but right. they, they know you've read the message, right?
1: Yeah, there you go. You know, you it's
2: go. so simple, but, you know, it's modern. It's, it's how things work today. Yeah,
1: right? and it's just as easy to reply back. Yes, straight mm-hmm. yeah. away. Just, you know, one hand on the phone and there you go, job done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: one hand on the phone whilst you're driving maybe not <laughs> let's not do well, that you could dictate if you wanted to you know soon well, as to me you could. <laughs> so um, okay so let's come back to uh, to you being uh, you know building your business um, mm-hmm. out of a out of a room at the YMCA mm. so w- when you got to the point where um, you took the step to get your own place mm. what did what did that feel like
1: wow that's that's a good question Coming out of the situation I was in, um, you know, that hostel of the YMCA and getting my own accommodation, you would think that, you know, there's a sense of relief or there's a sense of accomplishment. Um, and there is a little, but actually what really happens um, more so than that, which people wouldn't realize is you feel a little more pressure because now you have a little more responsibility. Yeah, um, yeah there's more overheads. Um so that work ethic that i established during my 8 months in that position um actually just um evolved and was just in full fur- full force when i came out so um nothing changed when i came out if anything i probably had to work a little harder
0: so why gracious photography what's the what's the story behind the name
1: i'm quite a spiritual person um and those that know me know that i'm i'm somewhat introverted sometimes um but always always humble and hopefully somewhat gracious um and i think by creating the name gracious photography um it's just a constant reminder to uh, where i've been um what i've done and just trying to keep that humility moving forward whatever happens and whatever successes i have
0: so now you set up your business um you've managed to Move into your own place and you know, you got your business to where you wanted to be and then coronavirus hits.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm. What goes through your head at that point?
1: Wow, well, i dunno where to start. Um so um I guess you can kinda tell I'm I'm a little focused and a little driven when it comes to to my business, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I might have given that away a little. <laughs> um so I photographed this incredible wedding in uh, the Cotswolds about I think four years ago now I was second second shooting for um, Adam Alex who I mentioned earlier um, and, I, and this venue I photographed was just amazing it was called the Manor um, it's an exclusive venue and it was just breathtaking and exploring the Cotswolds around um, seeing that they have such an appreciation for the arts mm. I, I just fell in love with the area so I moved to the Cotswolds, I moved to Cheltenham to establish my business and establish myself there as a Cotswold wedding photographer. Um, because the Cotswolds is kind of unique where you get a lot of, um, destination weddings from people coming from like the the States or, you know, from Europe to get married in the Cotswolds in the country, in the UK. Um, so that was my goal to establish myself there. And I had been there for about two and a half years. Um, I've been so blessed that I've managed to establish some amazing relationships. I'm the preferred supplier for um, some amazing venues like Soodley Castle, um, Mm -hmm. another venue called Barnes and Yard. Um, So everything's going amazing. And then COVID-19 happened. So um, wedding photography is, I believe is recession proof because people will always get married. Uh, Weddings are always happening, um, but it's not COVID-19 proof. Mm -hmm. So during this lockdown, my my mum um is high risk. She had severe pneumonia last year. Mm. So um I made the careful decision to leave Cheltenham to come back to Watford um to stay with my mum for the meantime, um until things start picking up again. That way to look after my mum. Um it's also gonna help as as a bonus as well to save on my overheads as well. Um so what i'm doing now while i'm here is I'm just really just spending my time going back to the drawing board, reevaluating my business, reevaluating my workflow, looking at my whole client experience from the initial point of contact, mm. looking at all the points of contact I have with each client um, all the way up to the delivery um, of the products and of the the wedding images
0: fantastic Ross so sometimes a situation like this can actually turn out to be an opportunity mm-hmm. I feel you know um, especially when uh, you need, you know, initially after the initial shock of like thinking like, oh, okay, it's all it's all gone down the pan, you know, mm-hmm. my, my business is like, you know, it's over. Um, and then, you know, a few days later you kinda of start thinking, well, actually hang on a minute, this might be an opportunity to streamline things, you know, work on you mentioned you were working on the back end of your website, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, and and to, to just improve your workflow the client experience think about marketing this is something I hear a lot uh, and a lot of people say yeah I've really got into marketing whilst I was you know whilst mm-hmm. I was doing this. What else have you been up to doing uh during lockdown then
1: so i'm i am i have not been very active on social media um well much at all really over the last few years most of my work comes through recommendations mm-hmm. and word of mouth, which is such a huge blessing for me so i I've not really had to depend on on advertising myself or on social media but that is something I would like to change. So I've um, there's someone called Melissa Love who's an amazing person in the wedding industry, who has created um, a platform for creatives um, in the wedding industry called the Marketing Fix, and she um, has these online courses where she will help you with your business blueprint, and so going back to the original blueprint, looking at your goals, your philosophy, you know, your taglines, um, all the way through to like Facebook advertising. Um, you know, your VIP client experience um, and really evaluating your whole business and your business workflow. So I've been focused on that, which has been amazing. And I'm seeing some great results from that already, which is great. Other things I'm working on is just updating my workflow. I have been working with a stationary designer to look at my packaging for my client experience. So I really am committed to thinking about my client experience from again that first point of contact from how i meet them how i make them feel what they see from my work um how my albums are for them making sure everything's consistent and up to date with my with my style which has evolved has become um well my style's very different to what it was you know 3 4 years ago
2: and just because I'm an absolute sucker for, uh, efficiency and things like that, uh, yeah. what kind of things have you adjusted with your, your, your general workflow that, um, mm-hmm. I, you'd probably not be able to put much of it into practice just yet, but, um, mm-hmm. what, what kind of things have you changed?
1: Um, so one of the biggest things for me is I've been using something called Studio Ninja, which is like a CRM tool, which has mm-hmm. been amazing. So you've got the potential to like auto flow your wedding workflow if you need to, um, but what it does it's just the one place that um it, my whole business you know is kind of um centered around mm-hmm. so from student ninja i can send out a quote to a client um and on there i can attach my welcome pack um from there they can look at my terms and conditions um if they accept that then they can go to make a payment which will take credit card payment through stripe or paypal or whatever um Uh, Yeah, it will have a questionnaire that will auto-populate as well. Um, It just brings up everything I need for them. So instead of having to send out, you know, and create different PDFs and do like, you know, 10 things at once, really, I just go to one place and it just automates it all in one spot, which is amazing for me. Um, So that has saved me so much time and it's allowed me to really focus on other parts of my business, Um, you know, like my wedding stationery or focus on my website and, you know, trying out a few new things that I'm, I'm looking into.
2: Mm -hmm. Tell me about the stationery. What's uh, (laughs) what have you been doing there?
1: uh, So when I meet my clients, um, for the first time, um, prospective clients, so they've contacted me, they're looking at wedding photographers. It's really important for us as creatives to stand out from everybody else. And I don't mean by looking at them and replicating what everybody's doing, Mm -hmm. but by being authentic to yourself, And I found that the more authentic I am to myself, the more I actually stand out from everyone else. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, I would always look up to see what other photographers are doing. You know, how are they presenting to their clients? What are they doing? But actually I'm in a good place now where I just look at uh, my clients and I think about what would I like to receive? How would I like to be treated as a client? And that's where I've really made the most growth. So when I first meet clients, um, I've got my little boxes over here. I'll show you when I first meet clients, I'll give them uh, print packs. So like I'll show them a couple of recent weddings so they can kind of, you know, um, get an idea of not just what my hero images on my website are, but what a full wedding looks like for me as a wedding photographer Mm -hmm. um, to really get them inspired and to get them thinking, yeah, I'd love him to tell my story on the wedding day. Um, I'll give them my welcome pack. And by that, I'll think about how I'm going to present the welcome pack. So I'd be thinking about my branding and my logo. Um, Mm. So when I'm thinking about my stationery, I'm thinking about every point of contact I have with my client. I want that to be unique and I want that to stand out for everybody else because I really want to create the wow factor um, as many times as I can at every point of dealing with, you know, each of my bride and grooms. Mm.
2: God, I love that. Uh, Particularly (laughs) those photo packs.
1: Thank you so much. uh,
2: What a great idea to just you know, if I'm a you know, bride or groom, I'm going to look at those and go, oh God, just imagine right. if that was our wedding. Right. And, and they're going to get that immediately by looking at that, right?
1: Right. You know, I'm giving my secrets away, man, but you know, I'm an open book. But um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, if you think about it, right, what's what's the price of a pack of what, six by four prints or seven by five prints? Like how much does that cost? And if you think about the cost of that and the return on the investment you're going to get from picking up a wedding, mm. honestly, it's it's a no brainer yeah so if you're going to if you're looking at picking up you know your perfect client if you understand who your perfect client is and you're marketing to a perfect client you know invest into that um try to make them feel special and make them understand um you know who you are and how passionate you are about what it is we're doing
2: yeah love it and if the, just take like, those photo packs if that turns over the course of a year turns one inquiry into mm-hmm. a wedding that perhaps otherwise may not have come off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's already right. paid for itself in all sorts of ways. It's oh, amazing.
1: More than that. You know, I guarantee you, if you think about um, a client that comes to see us and we meet them at a coffee shop at like a Starbucks or a Cafe Nero or wherever, um, and we meet them for a wedding, I guarantee you they're going to be cautious. It's a big investment for them. Yeah. They're going to be looking for, at at least two to three wedding photographers or videographers before they make a decision. Now, how many of those photographers do you think are actually giving them something to come away from the meeting with, like giving them a print pack or thinking about the stationery that they're giving them on the day or how they're presenting their, their welcome brochure or their welcome pack? If you can take that step up to show them something that no one else is doing showing them how professional you are and how passionate you are about not just your photography, but about your business and your service to them, they will feel that and they will appreciate that and they will remember that. And that will give you that little wow factor that you need for you and your business.
0: What's the the one thing that you've learned about yourself in this, um, in this lockdown?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. It's the one thing I've learned about myself during this lockdown. One thing I've learned about myself during this lockdown is that I can't switch off. I felt very uh, different and unusual um, not having something to do all day, every day, Mm -hmm. um, which is very unlike me because, again, I think you understand my work ethic and and what I do. Um, So I found myself having a lot more free time. So um, I've been playing guitar a little. I've been playing a little PlayStation. I've been spending more time with the family, making food at home for the family and taking photos of food. And, Mm um, yeah, I've been, you know, doing stuff I've really enjoyed doing. And even though I know that my experiences has really cultivated, um, a really, um, strong discipline in my workflow, I think actually that perhaps I needed this time, um, to just be able to relax and just enjoy mm. things and you know mm. maybe enjoy a little downtime too which you know i've not really been good at to be honest yeah. over the last four or five years
0: it's, it's taken me weeks to get to that conclusion i have to say um and uh you know it, maybe without the help of my wife maybe i would have never reached that conclusion but you know mm. i've also sort of realized that sometimes i just have to actually chill the heck out <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know
1: yeah it's like yeah.
0: A, it's this thing like i, I started uh, i spoke to um to nick about this in the in the last episode i started something called bullet journaling right which mm-hmm. is uh which a is a, yeah it's a, it's a great way. i love it it's a great mm-hmm. way for me to um to organize my day and my week and you know mm-hmm. um, and everything that i do and it's uh, as part of bullet journaling you can track certain things about your Day or your week or so, and so mm-hmm. one of the things, and you can track things like you know I track like things like water intake and how much coffee I drink and blah blah mm. when, whether or not I'm exercising and this and that and the other, um, but I also track 8 a.m. starts mm. because what I used to do, believe it or not, like I'm one of these people, you know, when I wake up, I wake up really early, and when I wake up, I'm up. That is it. I'm I can't like laze about. Once you the know. brain switches on, that's yeah. it.
1: Yeah, that's mm-hmm.
0: it. And so what would happen, you know, would be like I'd wake up at 5:30. I'd be up. I'd go downstairs throw on a computer, you know, I start editing photos, you know, I sit on the couch, throw on some like, you know, some some ridiculous like National Geographic, like, you know, the uh, 57th dive to the Titanic or something, you know, <laughs> running in the background, whatever. The PJs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I'd be like editing photos and doing this and then the other. And yeah. then, you know, eventually my wife would come down. She'd be like, oh, you, you know, how long have you been here? I'm like, ah, oh, two hours, you know, I've already done this and then the other. And uh and so and so for the last uh, few weeks I've mm. been tracking eight o'clock starts because I figured, you know what? If I start working at 8 a.m., that's fine, man. That's cool, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so what that's meant is now, you know, when we wake up in the morning, my wife and I would do a little meditation together. And and I have to say, it's really been so beneficial just to take out that little time and not worry about anything else or any tasks that I've got to do on this day. Because I know, you know, mm. 8 a.m. is when it starts for me. And... You know, because you don't have that like that routine in the morning like the you know the the commute to work or to an office or to a studio or anything like that you know you're not home and that's mm. my studio you know um it's really kind of it slowed things down in a weird way it's actually helped me to organize myself better so now i feel i have more quality time than i had before you know and it's uh and it's it's a really I don't know it's, you know it's it's a really useful thing for me because my brain's always like running at one hundred and eighty miles an hour.
1: Yeah, you know? <laughs> Welcome to the mind of creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. You know,
0: it's always like I always say like well, you know it's the it's the uh, it's the creating the, you know the creation process that does it for me. Once the project is finished, I don't like to hang around. I like to just already think about the next thing that I'm going to do. And uh, but the one thing I've learned is that slowing down sometimes can actually be. A much greater benefit to yourself than, than always like going at it at like, you know, a yeah. hundred miles an hour. So on many levels, you know, I feel like it's, it's been really useful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, know, absolutely. It, you know, I think that's, I think that's a great thing you're doing because I think slowing down and maybe, um, listening to, you know, paying attention to your thoughts on what's coming up, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll find little gems in there that maybe, you know, they're telling you, you know, something you should be doing that maybe you haven't done like mm. maybe reconnecting with um friends or maybe family yeah. or doing something yeah. that you know you've put up for so long but you know
0: yeah it's it, that's it, that's really amazing I like, you know in the first i don't know like in the first two weeks of lockdown i think i've spoken to more people than <laughs> i would have ordinarily spoken to in like a year you know
1: there you go like yeah. uh, you know people
0: yeah. from all over the world um like you know because obviously i mean a family abroad and everything and uh, i went to an international college so i you know went, i went to school with people from all over the shop and uh and just reconnecting with people was just a great experience you know i've talked to yeah. people that i hadn't talked to in 20 years since so it's, yeah, mm. it's like
1: yeah I, I think that the uh this is really i think this time is really going to make some changes moving ahead like i think mm-hmm. the way we um socialize and the way we've opened ourselves up to our to our friends on a on a deeper level mm. um establishing this as a new habit i think it's just a beautiful thing to do um you know like these you know these weekly calls that we have with our friends on zoom or on skype yeah. or facetime it's just a beautiful way to you know to check in with our friends and to ask a question like you know how are you doing how are you really doing Exactly. which you know we don't always mm. do we would just go around and have a cup of tea talk about good things but now we're asking really meaningful meaningful conversations and we're showing so much yeah. more compassion than we ever have before so um i think there's gonna be a lot of positives coming out of this
0: okay so abel you know uh, photo studios have been able to uh, to open up again uh, fairly recently have you been on any shoots um, already or is it still starting up slowly for you now
1: yeah, because, because I've uh, chosen to uh, keep my mum company who's shielding because she's high risk, I've really had to be very mindful of my contact and my mm. social interaction. So I've not been able to go out much. However, last week I um, did my first shoot, or my first uh, paid commission shoot for a friend who's opened up a bakery um, in Watford actually, which was really cool. Um, so that was nice, taking some photos of some Gorgeous bread, which smelled amazing, and pastries, um, Mm. which went really well. But, yeah, I've not been um, as active as I would like to have been um, photo-wise.
0: Drop us a link to that later, because I love bakeries. I do.
1: (laughs) 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 We'll do. Yeah, we'll do. Hey, come on. (laughs) You know, German with Canadian roots, come on. Oh, man. (laughs) There is no better smell in in the world or on the planet than waking up to the smell of fresh bread in the house. Best smell in the world. Absolutely.
2: Maybe Bacon, I'll I'll tap onto that as well. (laughs) Oh, Bacon. (laughs) So, do you have any regrets?
1: Good question. Um, I think some of the lessons I've learned along the way, uh, thinking about where I am now to maybe where I was two years ago, three years ago, or even five years ago, would be that I don't doubt myself anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. I stop looking at what other photographers are doing, uh, looking at how they're working. what they're putting out or how they're, you know, treating their clients. I, I stopped doing that. So I spent so much time when I was establishing myself as a photographer and as a professional business, as a wedding photographer, I spent so much time looking at other photographers, you know, going through Facebook and looking at their websites. And and honestly, it's just to no end where I am now thinking about um, my clients and how I'd like to be treated you know, if I was a client, um, I think that's so much more fruitful to my, you know, again, to my client experience. So the only thing I would probably regret is I wish I learned this lesson sooner um, to stop comparing myself to other photographers mm. and just learn to be my authentic self and just learn to embrace it. Mm.
0: What, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's uh, just getting into the, uh, the wedding photography industry?
1: Mm. One of the, yeah. One of the first thing that comes to mind is find yourself a mentor. Um, I know we, we live in a, in a time where, you know, we're so entitled, you know, everything is so easy to find mm. with YouTube and it's instructional, you know, videos on, on anything, you know, if you want to be a master of something, you can just, you know, learn from home. Right. But there is nothing like finding a mentor. So, um, So I've been very lucky in that I've had a couple of mentors um, along my journey. Um, uh, I think I mentioned a couple of names earlier, Scott Johnson and Adam Alex. Mm. Um, And having a mentor where someone can honestly give you some feedback on your work, um, tell you, you know, what to look out for, um, show you, um, you know, what they're doing and talk to you about your pricing, you know, and help you with, you know, um everything it's just just priceless Mm. so if you think about the you know old classic wedding photography where you know you'd be assisting a, a big photographer um you know i've heard stories where you know some incredible photographers i know now started by just asking a professional photographer they could just take their bags to shoots and then they started shooting and then they started you know second shooting for them and and now they're incredible photographers. It's um, like
0: making tea in a recording studio. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I, and to be honest, I, I've, um, I started mentoring, um, I thought to be mentored by one photographer by saying to them, you know, much the same. And it's just been one of the best things I could have done. Mm. So for anyone starting out, finding yourself a mentor, um, someone whose work you like, uh, cause there are so many different styles, but maybe finding a style of photography that you like, that you connect with, um, mm. And knowing if the person can give you real honest feedback about your work and help push you to be the best version of you that you can be, um, that is priceless. Mm. Yeah. So find a mentor would be my first choice.
0: Fantastic. Well, so
1: we've come to the
0: the sort of the last segment um of today's podcast. So every week um, Nick and myself we set ourselves a little challenge mm-hmm. so we had uh, video challenges in the past and photo challenges this week our challenge was to take a selfie mm-hmm. so <laughs> <we, laughs> this would be yeah. fun yeah this would be fun <laughs> <laughs> um so we've uh we took a number of, of photos um and of course as always we will, will show them to you and then uh, that'll give you an opportunity to give us some uh, constructive feedback, mm-hmm. because um, as much as you know, we love to learn from what our guests are, are telling us. You know, also from a photographic point of view, it's uh, it's a it's a great learning experience and opportunity for us, actually, because we like to push ourselves and we like to push uh, push each other um, as well. Love so, that, uh, absolutely you know, love that, mm. and uh, it really gives us something to do. <laughs> 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 something else to do, you know. Sometimes it takes over most of the week, really, but you know. <laughs>
1: Cool. You can't rush perfection, man. Nope. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> okay, so Nick, why don't we start with your photo this time?
1: What a cool image. That's uh I really like the composition here actually. So like you've got um the lens on the right third of the of the image. You're almost actually really doing to the rule of thirds, actually. Um seeing your your face in the camera lens. Yeah. Very clever um that's what we call like a sub technique or a frame within a frame um the, it's a really strong composition i, I like this cool, it's very interesting image has a little wow factor on there i like it it's very cool yeah i really
0: like the colors nick there's this uh there's this bluishness about it which yeah. is like you know yeah in the top left like your t-shirt and then it comes out in the in the lens and reflections reflects the lens to have like this blue tint and then of course in the in the actual lens itself um you've got this really nice color so it's yeah, um, and it, it goes really well against your uh, against your skin tone as well because so there's mm-hmm. this orange and teal mm-hmm. thing happening in there. There it is.
1: It's the balance of color there, like the balance of tones mm-hmm. as well. Like you've got the warm, you've got the cold, the blue. Um, so I presume that you must have had this on a mirror, maybe. Uh,
2: it's actually it's, so the setup was uh, it's actually a glass table.
1: Okay. Um, quite quite a small one,
2: and then so the lens was simply sat on top of that. I'm laying underneath the glass table uh-huh um and then uh, it was a so the way i ended up setting it up was i had this little fella behind me i'm not sure if it's mm-hmm. going to show in uh, the free frames but it's a little star wars kind of figure that i laid <laughs> down to try and position um underneath the table so that i was getting my uh, uh the the right look in the right position on the lens so i could, I could capture yeah. that um it took a of moving stuck a bit of tape down where it was and then kind of laid there um what i ended up actually having to do Mm. was i took the shot and it i couldn't get myself to be in exactly the right position um i was almost there but i wasn't totally happy i'd end up being slightly wonky Okay. or um, mm-hmm. slightly off off frame
1: I guess trying to yeah mm.
2: so, so what I so what you're actually looking at here is a slight composite mm. I, I shot it exactly as you're looking so basically the whole lens on the top there is from a secondary photo okay and it's okay. purely because practically it didn't look quite right with the position I needed to be in so um, mm-hmm. basically my what would be my left uh, sorry my right eye, would be right up to the lens okay,
1: to gotcha. be able
2: to get myself reflected to get that, in get like lens. A, yeah because yeah,
1: you have to be under yeah. the focal, yeah so,
2: so it didn't look quite right it would would have looked mm. not nearly as good a photo so i took it sec- as a second picture to just try and get that composition just to, to look right
1: See, it's an interesting image um, and it gets my attention. And I think, which you'll probably learn, you know, from camera clubs and competitions that if an image gets your attention for like more than two or three seconds, then you've kind of, you kind of won because you've got something there. And you've definitely got something here with this image, because at first I'm trying to work out, my mind's trying to work out what's happening here. Is this in a mirror? Uh, Because I'm conscious that your face is supposed to be directly under the lens for you to be on the lens like that, but it's not Clear to me. It doesn't even. Um, it's not even on my radar that this could potentially be a composition. It's really well done. You've. You, I love the balanced space around the lens, um, top and bottom. It's nicely on the rule of thirds to the right. Um, you beautifully subframe yourself on the upper right third, almost perfectly. Um, I love the contrast a- around you. It's it's so lovely, beautifully framed. And plus you've got the layer and the depth to the image where you're yeah. in the background, even though you're out of focus, um, I still get it. So it's it's a really strong image. Well yeah. done.
2: There's a there's actually that's not a crop either. That's
1: exactly as it was framed. Uh-huh. Cool. Was that like with a fifty mil? Yeah. It's exactly yeah, what it was. It was a yeah. nifty fifty. <laughs> nifty fifty, yeah. yeah, yeah. That looks like that sort of focal length. Great image, buddy. Well done.
0: Yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, I like, I love the, uh, I love the way that your your head really falls out of focus. It's, it's a really smooth kind of blur. Yeah, mm. which is uh, The depth of field is, is, really is lovely. Yeah, yeah, mm. very
1: yeah. nice. Yeah, cool. Fun image. That's yeah, cool. appreciate.
2: And well, the light, the light you're seeing in that lens is actually uh, the light dome, um, mm. reflecting okay. through.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but the, it's really brought out some nice colours, actually, you know, with the, the UV-coated glasses on the lens. So totally. it's, it's worked out to your favour. So yeah, it's, it really has.
2: The only bit of editing that really happened, day, other than colour, um, was removing dust and mm. little bits of that that were on the lens that just distracted yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. from it. Did you use a speed light for this or um, yes. constant light? Yeah, I did, yeah, it was a speed light um, inside, inside a light mm. dome. Um, it mm. was kind of off to the top right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very it's really quite close um because I wasn't quite getting the power from the speed light that I wanted um and yeah I left that all identical when I took the second shot for me being underneath it's
1: good mm-hmm. you see um the viewer looking at this image they go straight to the the strongest contrast part of the image which mm-hmm. is um you know the lens and the, mm-hmm. the black and the new in the middle you know beautifully subframed or you know it's yeah, really well done
2: Thank you very much. Oh, I enjoyed doing that. <laughs> it was good fun. Yeah, I enjoy looking at it. It's mm-hmm. good. So, Kirsten, let's, uh, let's have a look at look at yours.
1: Hey, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's a cool portrait. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like the composition. I like how um, you're kind of going in towards the upper right corner. You've, you've got a nice space, um, balanced space, um, top and right to the image. The lighting's great, actually. You've really, um, now the lighting, because again, my eyes is drawn to the lightest part of the image here, Mm. which is is your face, which means that you've really now the lighting here. So that's great. And it's so apt right now for what's happening right now, right? With the virus and this whole lockdown and pandemic and that startling look on your eye, which is actually very fitting for what you're wearing. And again, for the Mm. time, you know, that we're going (laughs) through right now. I also really like the background and the, the texture you've given to this to almost look like an old film photo. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool. And you've chosen like a muted color, which, which kind of works with that background. Um, which leaves the, uh, N95 mask to really, um, almost be center stage behind those pretty blue eyes of yours, buddy. <laughs> it's good. they really good. I can see, um, just through my eye, that you've dodged and burned um, yourself because there's a little um, dodging and burning around your outline.
0: Okay, so interestingly enough, that is actually, mm. that's um, sort of a rim light. So that's, that was an interesting effect actually that happened. So that's, ah. um, yeah, so um, so there's, there's a number, well, it's, a two light, it's basically a two light setup. So mm. you've got, you know, the key light, obviously, there's another speed light to the back right of me. Mm. Um, just hitting I can see from, where from you, you're angle.
1: just, yeah, just filling in and you're highlighting around the the hood. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. the original uh, intention was actually just to totally blend that into darkness. So ah. As I was experimenting around with it, it didn't it really look the way I wanted it to look. Mm. Um, and so I kind of wanted to, uh, to have this really kind of, almost like grungy kind of feel to it where it's, you know, it's got a bunch of like grungy textures on it. It,
1: it feels grungy. No, it does. I think that's a good word. It does. Got a lot of things going for it, um, like the zip um, leads the as like you know, a, a clear implied line leading up to your face um, yeah. to the portrait. And the thing about portraits, one of the most important things about a, a nice portrait is connection with your eyes. Yeah. And man, you are connecting with that camera right there with those big eyes of yours. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good portrait, but, man. It's, yeah. it's cool.
0: I mean, the thing there was really to kind of just convey um, this sort of you know the situation that we're in at the moment. I mean, mm. on one hand, of course, you know we're gonna like wear masks and everything but also you know it just feels like the world feels kind of grungy right now you know mm-hmm. yeah. everything's mm-hmm. everything's just a bit tense and right edgy you know and it's like things are not as you know running as comfortably smooth as they would normally do and it's it's just kind of mm. trying to convey that and maybe i mean the, the fact that i picked the jets uh the new york jets hat as well <laughs> you know it's not a team that's <laughs> Having an easy ride, ever? <laughs> Absolutely, not. yeah, yeah. They, they had a
1: tough time over in New York. Um, your lighting's really nice here, by the way, which I, I haven't touched on. I can see you have looks like a softbox, maybe, because I can see in your eye mm-hmm. just a slight reflection of the light. Yeah, it's like an octabox. Yeah, yeah you've really lit yourself up very nice. Because I know wearing a hat could be a little tough, actually, yeah. to make sure that light spills onto your eye under the right. under the the hat. But you've done yeah, it. It's hot. Perfectly. Um almost very Rembrandt actually with a hat. So that's really (laughs) tough to do. So well done there, buddy.
0: Yeah, it's a hard it's a it's a hard thing to get under the under the brim of the hat. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: but you Mm know that. That's good. And you know, your eyes is very um yeah, symbolic to what everyone's feeling now, like you were saying. So yeah, good job.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was a kind of, you know, the look of sheer like panic. I mean Mm. and I think the title of the photo was like going shopping or something like that, you know, (laughs) because honestly, I mean, that's like, you know, you go shopping. I mean, maybe not so much now, but certainly like for the first, you know, the first few weeks um, of lockdown, it was literally that sort of sense of sheer panic just going to the grocery
1: store, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I'm just going
0: to go, I'm just going
2: to go and buy bread and eggs. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only place I look when I first open this image is straight to the eyes. And then the second thing that I noticed straight away is the the combination of colours is perfect you know that red okay. green blue and then with mm. the black the the kind of black stroke gray um smoky style background mm. really really works well for me and you know and then and then once mm. i've got past that the next thing i think of is zombie movie and yeah 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 and that's i mean that is uh
0: you know that's sort. of part of the experience mm. when you go shopping, you know, and everybody's wearing masks and everybody's yeah. going to stay meters yeah. apart and mm-hmm. everybody's scared, you know, uh, and especially in the beginning, I remember like the first few times I went to uh, the grocery store and like, you know, you turn around the corner to go into an island and there's somebody com- coming your way and they see you from the other end of the, of the, <laughs> of the aisle. And you can see the sheer panic in their faces, yeah. in their eyes, you know, just because there's another human being is uh, just entered the, you know, space yeah. 10 meters away. And it was just not, you know, not a pleasant
1: experience at all. No. It makes shows like The Walking Dead a little more believable now, doesn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> doesn't yeah. It? Exactly. Who would have? Yeah. But, I mean, you
0: know, you know, like rewind a year. If anybody told you a year ago oh. that we were going to be in this situation, you would have said no
1: chance in hell. Yeah. Like absolutely. this is like
0: this is a badly written, <laughs> you know, like apoca- apocalypse movie. You know what I mean? Like you're having it's, me
1: on. Just stop yeah, that. I'm not buying yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: Forget about it. So it's like, uh, you know to uh to actually live in that in in these um extraordinary times is mm. just um you know boggles to mind mm-hmm. and and at the same time i also feel that it's um because it's been going on for such a long time and and uh we you know we have a tendency to normalize things i think and then you think like hang on this isn't normal like mm. this is not normal at all yeah. <laughs> this should never be normal yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we've got one more photo, and that's uh, that's a photo that that we made uh, when we were doing another shoot. In fact, our first shoot um, outside of, you know, or like ed- towards the end of, of lockdown, as it were. And cool. we kind of we, <laughs> we thought we'd just jump in and uh, and do some stuff for our Facebook page.
1: It's a really nice image. It's 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 cool. It's so beautifully balanced with your. Um... You're almost very serious look, Kirsten, and then Nick's very kind of playful, fun, <laughs> oh, <laughs> fun expression. Yeah. I really like it. It's very clever how you've got the image actually on the back of the camera too. Lighting here is beautiful. Um, you've really uh, lit both yourselves up so well. But I'm going to guess that this is a composite, but it's actually... This could easily have been both together, but just the way the lighting is, I'm pretty sure that you've composited this together. Um because the lighting's so beautifully done where you've got the main key light, you've got like a fuel light just behind, um, mm-hmm. and it's both perfect on the both of you. Cool image. So Nick, was it a
0: composite?
2: Well, no, it wasn't. No, it oh, wasn't. No. really?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I tell you what, I tell you what this is actually. This is a, uh it's a massive octobox.
1: It, yeah, because if it's not a composite, then it must have been a big it's um huge.
0: Yeah, it's usually like I don't know, it's like yeah. a six foot, slightly like, foot, so like the light. size
1: of a car.
2: It is massive. Yeah, it's
0: huge. <laughs> wow! And it's um, and it's really close to us as well. And it just that light that it just wraps itself around you. It's just beautiful. Very cool. Um, like for I love that thing for like you know kind of three quarter full length portraits. Oh, mm. It's just beautiful. Right. And then um, there's two this two uh, sort of um, room lights just lighting lighting up from the left and the right. Mm. And I said, nice. Really. Did you need light on the background at all? That is actually still from the uh, the key light.
1: Very nice. So we're yeah, it's so, so it's, balanced um, across um, across yeah. the whole image actually. Mm.
0: So that background, by the way, that's a sort of a it's a kind of a textile kind of background. It's um, mm. it's got a slightly lighter area in the middle, so it's it does help. You know, when you do, when you're not lighting, it does help kind of just creating that almost that sort of vignette sort of vibe, you know. Mm on this one. So it's um
1: yeah, it looks like a nice fabric backdrop. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it yeah. is yeah. Fabric, that's the word. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah.
1: yeah, cool image. Yeah. yeah, very cool.
0: Cool. So that was uh, that was this week's challenge. <laughs> nice. We have let I should just actually uh, just say this again. We have um we have a sort of a public challenge um that's happening at the moment. Um it's a photo challenge. So the um the subject is animals or pets. So take a photo of your pet. A cat, dog could be anything if you own a llama, take a f- picture of your llama <laughs> That's what you're into. Um, send it in to us. You can uh, email it to uh, camerashakepodcast at gmail.com or send it us via um, Facebook Messenger or send us a pigeon. That's also cool. <laughs> Whichever way you want. <laughs> you know, that's fine. Um, the uh, I think the deadline is the 30th. What is it, June? Yes, yeah, yeah, the June. 30th of June. June. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think there for a second. Is it July already? I don't know. Um, 30th of June. Um, yeah. Get any uh, any kind of animal picture into us, and uh, we're going to have a look at it, and we're going to invite the uh, the the winner onto the onto the podcast. So that'll be fantastic to talk to whoever you are next month during a podcast and just have a listen to how you created that uh, that picture. That'll be fantastic, folks. Uh, we've come to the end of uh, this week's podcast. Um, again, massive thank you to uh, this week's guest, uh, Abul Shah. It was an absolute education and a great window into um, the business of wedding photography, and uh, you know I think it's absolutely it's phenomenal. Not only what you do now, but also how you got there in the first place. Yeah. So that's extremely inspiring, and um, I wish you the very best for the future. And I hope your mom is, is fine, and you know you can get thank back you. back into it, uh, you know, as soon as possible. Really.
1: Honestly, thank you so much for for having me on this cool channel. Um, yeah. Thank you as well, Nick. It's been fun, man. And, um, you know, I'm an open book and I'm always happy to help. And um, I'm just happy to share my process because I think, uh, I think sharing really is caring. So I think being able to share my process, if it helps even a single person out there, I, I'm certainly happy to do it.
0: So you've been listening to the Camera Shake Podcast with me, Kirsten Lutz, and Nick Kirby. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, please do us a favor and subscribe to the Camera Shake Podcast over on YouTube or head over and drop us a like on Facebook. Until next Thursday, that's it, folks.